0: The COVID-19 pandemic continuing partly because of misinformation and vaccine hesitancy. It's very sad to me, it's very depressing that we could have accelerated ourselves out of this. Now, local, state, and federal health leaders working together to combat everything
1: from conspiracy to concern. The virus doesn't discriminate. The virus will kill independents, communists, Republicans, or Democrats.
0: In an effort to get vaccination numbers up, and put the pandemic
1: in the rear view mirror. The best we can do is try and be able to
0: influence with good information. This is a KOLD News 13 original podcast, Conquering COVID. I'm Andrew Capasso with KOLD News 13. Welcome to this edition of Conquering COVID. Today, we try and conquer the misinformation, the misrepresentation of facts, and attempts to keep people away from what doctors at every level call safe, effective vaccines. My guest today is Dr. Richard Carmona, formerly the 17th Surgeon General of the United States, now the Pandemic Health Advisor to Arizona Governor Doug Ducey and the Arizona Department of Health Services. Good to talk to you, my friend. Appreciate it.
1: Pleasure to be with you. Thank you.
0: So you're helping chart the path toward getting us over the hump here in this pandemic. Vaccine hesitancy, a big part of that. What's your reaction? And I know trying to overcome it is a a big task.
1: It is, but you know, we've, unfortunately, we've had about a two year experience now, uh, Mm me overseeing the university Mm -hmm. and uh, working at a national level as well, and even globally sometimes. So these problems are not unique to the state of Arizona, but uh, doing the best we can to overcome that vaccine hesitancy recognizing that we can win some of those battles, but sometimes, um, we recognize also that there are just some people that are going to remain recalcitrant, but our goal is to get to a significant enough number of people vaccinated that we have herd immunity and that will protect society at large and contribute to the nation getting out from under this dark cloud.
0: Um, I've asked others this, you've, you've been in health for a very long time. Have you ever seen something like, like this, where you have three, vaccines, safe vaccines, effective vaccines, but we're still not where we need to be almost a year later?
1: I, I, I think uh, your point is well taken. Uh, it's very sad to me. It's very depressing that we could have accelerated ourselves out of this if everybody had complied, but yet we became, uh, if you will, divided along political lines largely. Um you know, I often when I speak about this to larger groups, I'll say, you know, we are the United States, but the last year and a half we appear as the disunited states. You know, and where we should have come together uh, in a war against a common foe, an invisible threat, we divided along political lines, along partisanship, and a whole host of uh, you know bad information that fueled people's uh, conspiracy theories. And here we are, you know, uh, later. So it is. It is kind of sad, but again. We can't dwell on that. Uh, it's the democracy, and often, as you know, under the um, uh, often these issues come down to the right of the individual versus the collective right of society. Uh, well, you know, whether it's smoking or whether it's COVID, it's the same issues. And I dealt with them as Surgeon General. People say, "Well, you can't tell me not to smoke. I'm an American," and so you can't tell me to get a vaccine because I'm an American. Okay. What we hope is that we educate, we inspire, and hopefully people move in that direction. And the numbers are pretty good when you look at our uh, senior population in Arizona, 65 and up, we're pushing around uh, 98% vac- vaccine, you know, and that's a high risk group. So we're still lagging a little bit in others, you know, we're kind of mid 50s to high 50s for vaccinations in the state, uh, low mid 60s for at least one dose. So incrementally, we're getting there. But again, this is not a problem unique to Arizona. We see it in many other states as well want to talk
0: about that, that whole, I, I don't want my government telling me what to do. I don't want my job telling me what to do. Yes. We, we hear a lot of that here. We've he, we hear it all over the place, really. The science says this is it's almost beyond a decision impacting just one person, whether or not to get vaccinated.
1: Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And again, uh, having uh, had these challenges for many years from a local to a state and even a global level in various positions that I've had, But in a democracy, again, I've come to realize that it is the perils of a democracy, that the individual can hold something, you know, that this is the way I'm going to do it in spite of everybody else. You know, the the person that continues to smoke, uh, for instance, a male in a house filled with children and a wife who's pregnant, okay? And you say, but your baby's going to get hurt, your children are going to be harmed, but it's my right to smoke. Uh, It's tough. Uh, And so, um, the best we can do is try and be able to influence with good information, inspire them. Sometimes it's not about you, it's about your children and so on. Um, but again, these are not uncommon problems in a democracy where everybody has the right to uh, decide within legal limits, a path forward. And yet uh, it has delayed, I believe are coming out from under this, but you know in arizona for instance as you know where we have uh, a lot of opinions and we can dwell on those who refuse to wear a mask or refuse to get vaccinated but while we fight those battles people are dying so in my discussion with the governor i said governor i'm not going to get into the politics i'm going to help you but you have to help me and governor if you will agree to do public service announcements with me to talk to the press and tell everybody that they should use the appropriate public health mitigation strategies, that they should get vaccinated, then I will work and I will work with you to get this done. He agreed. But you know, the sticking point with many people is: well, I don't want to order people to do anything. I don't want to mandate. And so again, it's a democracy, and we can battle those things right up to the Supreme Court as to is it legal or not. But while that battle is going on, people are dying, people are sick, people are losing jobs, our economy is in peril. So I said, I've got to take a different path. And that's the path I chose to take, to do everything I can within the scope of the law, whether I agree with it or not, to get people to do the right thing.
0: Misinformation, as we said, yes. is a big part of this. There are some theories out there, or some, some challenges that people say the vaccines have. changing DNA, microchips in the vaccines, they cause infertility. Yes. These all seem very out there, they've all been Yes, absolutely disprove it. But there are people that believe this. Yes. yes, what do you tell them? How do you try to deal with that?
1: Well, you know, some some of these folks I have found are amenable to reasonable discussion. Yet others are well entrenched in an ideology, whatever it happens to be, political or otherwise, that they just don't change the name. They don't trust the government for, for any reason. You know, that's allegedly one reason. Others entrenched within the political system. I spoke to a gentleman who was very, very sick from COVID and about to go on a ventilator. And I asked him, well, why, why didn't you get the vaccine? He said, and his answer was very telling. He said, because I'm a good conservative. And I just thought, sir, that really has nothing to do with this, okay? Uh, however conservative or liberal you are, the, vac- the virus doesn't discriminate. The virus will kill independents, communists, Republicans or Democrats, let's just, you know, and I often will tell people who are so dug in, why don't we all work together and get rid of the virus and then we can have our political battles when we're healthy, okay? But right now people are dying, people are sick, our economy is being stressed, uh, and you know, and the governor and I have had discussions on this and we are absolutely in agreement. Uh, The vaccine is not only about making people healthy or getting people healthy and preventing disease, the vaccine is about letting our economy start growing again, getting people back to work, our jobs, So there's a bigger picture here that both Republicans and Democrats and independents should be embracing. Okay. It's about a state that is growing rapidly because it's so desirable to live in. And yet we're struggling with jobs. We're struggling with business and so on. We're struggling with tourism. So why not work together to be able to keep Arizona healthy and prevent disease, but also continue to grow our economy with this headwind that's COVID.
0: A lot of the misinformation is coming from social media. It's basically, Twitter, TikTok, all these. What can be done to tackle that? And how big of a job is that?
1: Well, as you, as you know, Andrew, you see it playing out on the national media today with Facebook and other accounts and, uh, you know, what constitutes uh, reasonable um, information. W- where does it cross the line? And of course, this is nothing new. People have written books about this and papers for decades as far as, you know, uh, the Orwellian world. I mean, do we want to have government telling us what we can read and what we can say, or are we free to say? And, you know, and generally what happens is we are free to say and do what we please within limits as long as it doesn't harm others physically, okay? But, you know, that's that. there's a fine gray line there because people who are promulgating these conspiracy theories or putting out bad information uh, are harming other people. So is there, is there a role for government to remedy that? Uh, or at a minimum, at least correct the record? And of course, we see politicians who will leverage some of these things for their own benefit to be able to embarrass the other side. And my remarks are, you know, bipartisan because I've seen it on both sides. Okay. But to me, this is a time that America should come together as one. You know, we, if, if we were attacked by a foreign nation, there would be no Republicans or Democrats. We go to war to protect America. We're attacked by a foreign microbe that's killing us and decimating our economy. Why can't we come together as one and fight this battle? And when everybody's healthy, we can go back and have our arguments about what we agree and disagree on in the political world, okay? But right now uh, we've allowed uh, this virus to divide our nation and that's painful.
0: As someone in health focused on facts, focused on evidence, how frustrating is it to you that this has become so partisan, so divided, and so it just, just split us up even more?
1: It is very, very uh, concerning to me. As somebody who's been in healthcare, somebody teaches at the, you know, the graduate school, the medical school, and, I, you know, it, it's, it's like we, uh, we should be able to come together around this, and, and there's people I know, you know, from my background in law enforcement and the military who refuse to get it. I have a niece who is a paramedic firefighter in a big city, doesn't trust the government, I'm not going to get it. Yet her mother has multiple sclerosis and is very ill. And she's at high risk. You know, and and yet I couldn't convince her. You know, so it becomes personal as well. And um, I I just, I'm very frustrated with it, but I don't let it stop my passion. And the governor and I have both agreed, you know, we we just got to push past that. As I see in other States that are struggling with this, they're, they're, these partnerships haven't been formed as much. You know, I, I mean, our state is divided around a lot of issues. Uh, and, and the governor and the legislature have acted. Uh, and half the people say, well, gee, you know, I don't like that. But again, uh, that's part of a political process. And these are folks that are duly elected in their offices, whether we like it or not. But we can't stand still. That was the whole thing when the governor and I spoke. And the governor agreed, we got to go forward. He's not, he's not questioning the value of mitigation strategies, or wearing a mask or getting vaccinated. In fact, he encourages it. There's just the one little sticking point. So as we look at that, I would say what we have practiced is um, maybe health diplomacy. We found a common ground where we all agree that people should buy into and, and push the politics aside right now. We are doing everything we can to change the narrative to encourage people to get vaccinated, to mask appropriately and use the mitigation strategies that we know are scientifically sound, that there is no question they work.
0: Speaking of they work versus they don't, we are hearing a lot now after the death of General Powell um, and the complications. He was fully vaccinated. He died of COVID-19. He had other issues, other conditions that made him more immunocompromised. So there's a lot of talk about the, effectiveness of vaccines talk about that a bit
1: well uh, first and foremost i'm sorry that they bring in general powell's name i knew general powell worked with general powell when i was surgeon general uh he is you know uh, the consummate american just a real good selfless person and i've seen some of the trash that was thrown out there um it troubles me uh as you pointed out general powell had cancer. General Powell had other problems that made him more susceptible to disease and let's remember he was 84 years old okay so he's a senior with long standing chronic diseases he was fully vaccinated we have said repeatedly that the vaccines work very very well for, for the average person who gets sick it's unlikely you'll go to the hospital, have to be hospitalized or get on a ventilator For persons who are at higher risk, it still affords you some protection, but not as much as a young, healthy person, okay? So the fact that he died at 84 with chronic diseases that immunosuppressed him and got COVID, there was no surprise. So for people to use that case as an example is quite disingenuous because it, it either reflects a misunderstanding of the science or that they are not willing to consider the science and are looking for any and all excuses to substantiate their bad decision.
0: I wanted to get that in there because it is such a, such a big talker right yes. now. Yeah. Um, One more I have for you. So yes. like we said at the top, you're responsible for moving forward for getting us past this pandemic in Arizona. We've talked about the challenges. There are a lot of people still on the fence about mm-hmm. getting vaccinated, some closer to the fence than others.
1: What do you tell people? That's a great question. And, you know, we have been working with the governor's staff at AZDHS because one size doesn't fit all. So Andrew, what we need to do is look at the demographics, the age, the gender, the ethnicity, and then figure out what are the messages that we can craft that will explain this complicated stuff in a health literate, culturally competent manner, deliver it to that end user to do one thing only, effect sustainable behavioral change, get the vaccine, wear your mask, et cetera. But when you're talking to, uh, just an, an example, so you know, theoretically here, a group of uh, African-American uh, youngsters or uh, Hispanic seniors or, you know, any other demographic you can come out, when you step back, the average person, when they think about it, knows you'd have to deliver a different message to each of those groups and maybe in a different way. And maybe the influencer who works with you is going to be somebody that is not going to uh, be um, resonate, say, if I was dealing with uh, a group of 18-year-olds, okay? who uh, are on TikTok and a number of other things, and they have certain influencers that get them to do things. Well, that influencer is probably not going to have an effect on the 75-year-old who's recalcitrant, right? So we're spending a lot of time at the state level to look at the demographics, where the holdouts are, and then be able to figure out what messages can we craft to move these various groups to get their vaccine and use mitigation strategies. But we also recognize that maybe 10 or 15% are never going to move because they're just entrenched in their belief system. However, when you look at that and you say, you know, it's sad, but I can still achieve herd immunity if I can get to 80, 85% of the population. So even if 10 or 15% are out, okay, and I can get full herd immunity, it'll start to have an impact because the virus will have fewer and fewer places to go to because of that. It's unfortunate thing is those 10 or 15% again, these are ballpark numbers that hold out, they're more likely to get sick and go to the hospital. They're more likely to be on a ventilator. They're more likely to die because the current data shows that the vaccine, if you look at the, how many people are hospital, hospitalized and die, but at 98, 99% of people are unvaccinated who are in the hospital and who die, okay? So the, the, it, it is real important that they understand the power of the vaccine the vaccine doesn't necessarily say you'll never get the disease but if you get it it'll probably be milder and it won't kill you and it won't get you on a ventilator look at all the stories you've probably seen like me in the last month of people dying on ventilators asking for a vaccine and and saying i wish i would have got it you know and they can't breathe you know one breath at a time speaking or they're on a ventilator and can't speak at all you can't get that back it's too late once you get that sick so uh, it, it is just so sad that we have become a nation divided around an invisible threat where we should be a un- nation united with no light between us around eliminating this threat so we can go back to our new normal, so that our businesses could thrive, so that unemployment will go away, you know, all of those things, and health will be with us.
0: Dr. Richard Carmona, thank you so much. It's a great uh, pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Bye-bye now. A big thank you to Dr. Carbona next time getting kids vaccinated. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine ready to go into the arms of kids 5 through 11. With that a new round of vaccine hesitancy and lots of questions about that vaccine and parents protecting their kids. We're talking with a pediatrician about questions parents should be asking and what they need to know as the Pfizer vaccine becomes available and Moderna likely not far behind. Join us again for Conquering COVID, a KOLD 13 original podcast. I'm Andrew Capasso.